Looking for a taste of the islands? Look no further than No Foods. That's NOH Foods of Hawaii. No Foods was developed to reflect the many international cultures and races of the islands. Hawaiian, Japanese, Chinese, Korean, Portuguese, Filipino, and more. Known for the wide variety of delicious seasoning and sauces. The products of No Foods can make anyone a master chef in their own kitchen. Easy to prepare and delicious in flavor are the hallmarks of No Foods. Again, that's NOH of Hawaii. This is like Chinese beef broccoli, Korean barbecue, Filipino adobo, Hawaiian Kahlua pork, and many, many more. Don't forget about the refreshing and very popular Hawaiian iced tea, sweetened with raw cane sugar and just the right touch of lemon. You can find NOH Foods online at Amazon.com and NOHfoods.com, also in many stores and supermarkets. As we say in the islands, say yes to no. Aloha. Welcome back to the No Name Football Podcast. I'm Jason McKee. And my co-host, as usual, you all know who he is. The man needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. My guy. All right. Six-time Pro Bowler. 2000s All-Decade Team. Future Hall of Famer. (laughs) St. Louis High School in Hawaii. (laughs) Hall of Famer. The man, the myth, the legend. Take that with a grain of salt. Uh, uh My guy, brother O, Mr. Olin Cruz. How you you doing, my man? You missed a few accolades. I know. know, That's all right. I I have no paper, man. Look, you see my notepad? I ran out of room, man. But they they can look it up. Hey, we got got our former teammate here. I'll let you introduce him, too. But when you you write down everything he's done, you do run out of paper. Yeah, I did. You do. You do. And, 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 And the stuff, I mean, unbelievable. And yeah. I couldn't believe he was yeah. 5'1 in high school. I know. I can't believe it. Man, they do some. Our listeners going to be like, who, who are they yeah, talking about? Who are they talking about? All right. So, joining us in our in-studio slash gym. All right. Our guy. Played with him for a long time. I hope I got this right. Eight-year NFL vet. Yeah. All right. Six seven, years. Seven credited, though. They won't give no, me listen, that. No, listen. Listen, you got to give them the arena. It's eight. You're, you're oh, it's, it's coming up. This right, right here. Right, right, right. Six-year arena league pro. Mm. Two-time Arena Bowl champ, mm. all right, NFC champ, mm. played wide receiver, defensive back, and was a four-phase special, special teams beast, mm-hmm. all right, Carmel Catholic High School wide receiver coach. He is a president of his own charity called A Saturday Place, father of two, mm. all right, decent golfer, my man, my man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Clutch, Mr. Clutch uh-huh. for us, Mr. Uh-huh. Clutch, Mr. Rasheed Davis. Rasheed, welcome to the No Name Football Podcast, brother. I uh, appreciate you guys have me there's a, a few things slightly off about that the golf is number one really a terrible but that's okay listen we, we all golf just to get out there a uh, yeah. room so i used to play golf with reuben brown right he would walk no matter where his ball went he'd walk down the middle of the fairway straight to the green halfway there he said brother Found my ball on that green tee again he took another ball <laughs> walk to the green Brother, found my ball on the green. Drop one water. Hey, no, you can't argue with him either. Oh, no. going, and, and, oh, man. and he's like the whole oh, time, man. like, oh, why you take this so serious, man? Anyway, we're not talking about Ruben yeah, Brown. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get him back. Yeah, uh, uh, Rashid, man, welcome to the gym. Yeah. Welcome to the No Name Football Podcast. Mm-hmm. I have to start. Let's go. In Kennedy High School. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Culver City, California. Yeah. I could not believe I didn't know this story. Yeah. 
you did not play high school football. You did not play high school sports, mm-hmm. but you were the PE basketball champ. Is that true? Can can you explain to us how a guy plays that long in the NFL, man, and does not play high school football? Oh, man, it's a long story, bro. It's a long story. But uh, I was also, you you, you forgot one of my high school accolades. I I never lost a flag football game ever. My fault. My fault. My fault. My my fault. I I, I could imagine. I've seen you play football. I'm not doubting that. Oh, man. But no, um. It's a long story, but I grew up in in about an hour and a half from the school, from Kennedy. I mm-hmm. was bused to school, mm. and I was tiny, as you say. <laughs> I was literally uh, probably 5'1", 95 to 100 pounds as a sophomore mm. in high school. Um, and then I graduated at about 5'8", 140 pounds when I graduated from high school. And so that combination of I was, I was small most of my high school career and the fact that I was so far from high school my actual high school that that was a combination of the reasons that I didn't the size made me afraid like I was I had this fear of failure I didn't want to look bad in front of people which is what I talk to our kids about all the time mm-hmm. at the high school and I talk to my own kids is like you can't allow fear to create this illusion in your head that you can't do it right and so that was me because of my size and then the fact that I couldn't get to the school in the summertime when when you were when they were going through camps I couldn't get it I tried to get my mom to transfer me back to my uh local high school near my house but she wouldn't because of gangs and mm. drugs and all mm. of that so thank god she had the strength and and the foresight to keep me at that school cuz I wouldn't I don't think I'd be here because of that mm. uh because it was just so rough so many gangs and they were rival gangs uh, my family were crips but the high school that I would have had to go to was in the blood territory mm. it was mm. just it would have been crazy so oh, so that's why you went to Kenton <clears throat> that's why I to went get to get away so what was the high school in your area uh, uh, Jefferson Jefferson High School now the whole time any love for football? Any like wanting to play football yeah. at all? Or what? What was like your number one sport you loved growing up? I loved playing basketball growing up, mm-hmm. um, but football was the thing that I always excelled at. So I played flag football. Mm-hmm. Um, still like to play flag football to this day. So that's where I started playing. And I, I'm one of nine kids. I have six brothers and two sisters. So mm-hmm. we um, always played on the streets. We played tackle. We played everything on the streets. And when I did play against friends that played high school football, I excelled against them. Like I could I always. Imagine. Yeah, I excelled real. against them, <laughs> even though I was little. Mm-hmm. And so when I started playing, once I got over that fear of embarrassment and not being as good as I thought I was, that fear of it's going to hurt if I get hit. You know, mm-hmm. once I got smacked that first time mm-hmm. and was able to, and I survived, then I started Jedi mind tricking myself. Right to get over that fear of failure, I started saying, "Well, when I got my helmet on, nobody knows it's me until the ball is in my hand, and when the ball is in my hands, I'm as good as anybody." Mm-hmm. Right, and that's where it started, like Jedi mind tricking myself, and then from there it was hard work and effort. Like I just I put my head down, and I oh, we've seen in that. The weight room. We've seen that in person, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So yeah, definitely. Let's talk about that too. That's a good segue uh, to my next question. She, you know, you go from Kennedy High School. And then you go to West Los Angeles College. Yeah. And talk about 
The, the, I'm sorry. She. <laughs> how the hell you make the NFL? Yeah, man. I'm I'm at sorry. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is, but it's, yeah. it's a testimony, yeah. man. Really for like, I mean, it's from awesome. Like, like, how did you? The time I started to the time I became a pro was five years. Mm-hmm. Wow. It just like overnight, five years from the time I started playing at West Los Angeles to the time I started playing professionally for the San Jose Sabercats was five years. Like, talk about that jump from 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 high school to West Los Angeles College. Like, you know, going like going into West Los Angeles College, like the work you put in. What did you do to have that success at West Los Angeles College? Um, I was fast. Mm-hmm. So the first forty that I ever ran on wet grass in these horrible Reebok cleats, mm-hmm. I ran a four or five. Now wow. I was hand timed, so it was probably more like four or six or something like that. Mm-hmm. But. I was fast, so my athleticism gave me, I think, the opportunity for me to continue to play, right? Because if I sucked, I'd have never got a chance. Yeah. But because when I walked on at the JUCO, I ran track to show the coaches that I wanted to play to increase my skills before the season started, right? So it was spring of 98 when I walked on at the JUCO. And I ran track, and I started lifting weights and taking that more seriously, and then once I started playing, um, my athleticism really showed, and I just listened. I, I did my best to do um, everything that I could to prepare myself. Like, I, I put my head down and played because my home life was hard. Mm-hmm. Like, my home life was was real hard. So when I would hear teammates complain about how hard practice was, and you know how we do sometimes, we, we go along to get along. We don't mm-hmm. – I'm not telling everybody my life story. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do what I do. and But in my head, I was like, if you think this shit is hard, you need to live a day in my life. Like, yeah, my real. life is fucking hard. Half you motherfuckers would never, excuse my language, I have a mouth. It's right, they're going to have to beep yeah, the radio. Beep. Hey, John, you got to get stop. the beeps ready. Let me before before on the old podcast, ter- we could do it. I have a terrible mouth. I'm going to fix no, you're that. Good. I apologize. You're good. You're good. I, I just you're write good. down the time and Dan, yeah. Dan leave, takes it out for us. Don't worry about it. So, no, I when that happened, I would have my teammates probably 90% of my teammates wouldn't drop me off at my house. Mm. Like that. At the junior college. When I was at junior college. Wow. They would never have given me a ride home. Like, yeah, it was that. So like, you were still were, living at home. While I was going. still living at home, and I, I had to, I, I got rides from friends, family, whatnot, mm. and then I would also have to take a city bus across town. So where I lived in L.A. to get to West Los Angeles Junior College was an hour and a half city bus ride through multiple different neighborhoods, gang territories and all of that other stuff. So I had to hustle to get there. But for me, everything was worth it because football was my oasis. Mm -hmm. Like where it's the thing that I still do to this day to decompress. Mm -hmm. Like you were, we're talking about the gym and how you have all of this equipment and you don't have enough space for it, but it's healthy for (laughs) your brain. You just saw it. It's good for (laughs) your soul, right? Like for me, football was good for my soul. So in order for me to, to get through my day and like, I've been awakened with, I've been in two police raids, Mm. police waking me up with guns in my face, looking for relatives. Mm. My house has been shot up. Like, my dad was murdered when I was eight years old. Um, So all of those things were happening in my daily life where I just, when I got on the football field, I got to be free. Mm -hmm. And so because I used it as that, I burned all the boats. 
Mm-hmm. Like this is me getting dropped off uh, at the beaches of Normandy. Normandy. Like like this is what I'm doing, yeah. and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And then when I figured out they were going to pay me to do it, I said yeah. I went to co- I went to high school and elementary school for free for 18 years. Like mm-hmm. I could go and yeah. I could be a good student and get paid for it. And then that's how I became. You know, it was grinding, hard work, oh, yeah, effort, man. man. You know, it's funny. I, I was I went back and I was watching the Seahawks game in the division championship. I remember she <clears throat> yeah. in that game, right? And, and it's funny because when you watch the film, um, you see a guy blocking. Yeah. Is, you know, every, everything you I expected to see, I saw. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because there was one um, clip. We were late in the game and we were in uh, – Double tight end and J Mac hates twelve personnel. Yeah, I sent Olin a nice message yeah, last like, night like on twelve but, personnel. But, but, but you know what's funny? It. I, I, Even I, though I, I like it now, but I, hey. <laughs> I was staring at that, that picture and thinking to myself, like you're saying, I was like, I missed that piece. Yeah, yeah. you know when you're just over the ball. And there, yeah. There's not a lot of questions. Yeah, I got to nah. hit you in the face. You got to hit me in the face. Yeah. You're trying to stop me from gaining this yard or us. Yep. Anyway, so I but she man like. I don't want to keep you for two hours, but I got questions through the whole. Thing. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, yeah, but so now you're at you're at this junior college. Mm-hmm. The San Jose State wide receiver coach walks in, mm-hmm. shows interest in you. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? Oh man, that was my first and really only interest. If mm-hmm. if it weren't for him, like wow. I probably wouldn't be here because they didn't come to see me. They came to see my homeboy, Edel, mm-hmm. which you guys, I think, played with. Edel was here when we left college. He came here and there was a mm-hmm. walk-on, a receiver. Mm-hmm. So his name is Edel Shepard. Yeah. Um, yeah, he didn't really – he was here for a drink of water and went to town. <laughs> yeah, he was here. I I, 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 like Ryan Post. Like, yeah, I, I asked him for – Olin about Ryan Post all the time. Like, you were sitting right yeah. next to him. No. He's like, no, nah, I don't remember that guy. So Edel, uh, I think uh, – Never heard of Because he was in the room with him. Ahmad remembers yeah. him. Um but he was here for practice squad for that year. But anyway, we mm-hmm. were both at West L.A., and we both ended up at San Jose State together. They came to see him, um, and the coach just said, hey, we came to see him, but you just kept popping up on tape. Mm. And it was that stuff that you talked about. Like, I blocked. Mm-hmm. I did everything I could because yeah. all I wanted to do was win. So if you asked me to hit that guy who's 275 pounds and I'm one at the time, 55 pounds. I'm going to hit that guy. Mm-hmm. Will I win? I don't know. But I'm right. going to hit that guy, and I'm yep. going to give him everything that I got. Um, and so stuff like that is what kept me showing up on tape, is the willingness to just to win. And when I got to San Jose State, it was, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but they didn't expect me to do what I did when I got there. Mm-hmm. They, they wanted me to be, they thought I was going to be the number three guy mm-hmm. when I got to San Jose State, and I led the team in receiving mm-hmm. that year, you know. Um, I averaged 19.6 yards a catch in my junior season at San Jose State for a guy who I just that was only my third year playing. So wow. I was, yeah. You know, yeah, I know. And they're going against, I mean, you're going against yeah, USC. We played Nebraska, I mean, USC going against that some teams, year. Man. I had three for 60 and a touchdown <clears throat> against Nebraska, who was number one in the nation when mm. we played them <laughs> in Nebraska. Uh, now they whooped us because they had Eric Crouch, Kareel Buckholz, Dan Alexander. Offensively, though, they couldn't they couldn't stop us offensively. Our running back had 147. Who yards was your guy's OC at the time? A guy named Dave Baldwin. He was the mm-hmm. head coach. Okay, but he played as the OC, and he ended up when he left San Jose State. He was the OC at Michigan State. 
Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, when they played Northwestern, the the greatest comeback in NCAA history, he was the OC at Michigan State. Because I'm thinking like like you guys know from you guys both coach at Carmel, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching concepts and football mm-hmm. and what football is about. Um, how hard was that? Just you know, going from junior college to San Jose mm-hmm. State. Like, where did you start to learn? Because obviously, you, you took to it easy. Because you're you're beating guys with your mind out there if you're dominating that much. It was it was at San Jose State. Mm-hmm. It was uh, his name was Carl Dean. He was a receiver coach. That's where I was going with the next question. Yeah. Carl he, Dean yeah. um, was a quarterback for San Jose State before he was he became a, a coach there, and he was at the time uh, the receivers coach when he he recruited me, and he took my game from the knowledge of the skill part of it. Right, like so I. I I had to get my skills to match my athleticism. I was always athletic. So I had to get stronger, uh, one. Two, I had to get my skills. That means the route running concepts, the footwork, the technique, the catching the ball, because I didn't catch as well as I catch now. Like, I couldn't. I had to learn that stuff. So once I got those skills to match my athleticism, then it was the intellectual part of it, right? Mm -hmm. San Jose State came to get me for my athleticism. Carl Dean taught me how to read defenses. So he showed me what cover two was. What? Because I was, you know, you in junior college, you're beating guys on, you know, you, I had good coaches, yeah. but athleticism. Uh, but when I got there, it was, this is cover two. This is the triangle you're reading. You're reading the safety. You're reading the man inside. You're reading the man outside. Those three guys will tell you what's happening, mm-hmm. you know. And once those safeties, I was teaching this to the receivers, the other day at Carmel was, hey, you got to look at these guys, get out there, get lined up, get quickly, get set up quickly so you can see what's happening. And so that's where the understanding of the game began. And then as I played more and more, and then I got here to the Bears, um, Mike Bajakian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jake is the one who, Mm -hmm. who, he taught me the offense in a week. Like he was good at getting me to see the basic, like, all you need to know is this, because I had never read Hotson sites before. I never had to. In college, we everything was built in, right? And then I was playing arena football. It's totally different. It's a different game. And then when I came here and had to, I was playing the slot, and Ron Turner is like, hey, you got this versus when it's hot, and you got to change your route to that, and you got to do all of that stuff. Then Jake was able to break it down to the basic concept of the game of, yep. of what I needed. I just needed to know the protection. And then it's protection. It takes these two guys that make you hot. And he was like, just look at those two guys. Don't worry about everything else. That's when I started to really understand. Okay. This is how this game is played. Like mm-hmm. his chest. Yeah. Not <clears throat> and, and Mike Bajakian for the listeners is the office of coordinator at, at Northwestern who was with us as a, he was the quality control coach, yeah. offense quality control coach when, yeah. when we were here. Uh, you talk about him, but let, let's rewind a little bit. So you go from, you know, you go from San Jose state and then you go to the arena league. Mm-hmm. How did that, how did playing in the arena league help you elevate your play in the NFL? Obviously different rules, different field, a whole different ball game. How did, how did the skill set that you learned in the arena league help you uh, excel at the NFL level? I learned uh, a lot more about mental toughness in mm-hmm. arena football. Like when I was my senior year, I went from being the number one receiver on the team in my junior season to not even playing receiver in my senior season. I had these brilliant coaches who, I don't know, didn't like me. So I ended up playing <laughs> corner. 
Mm-hmm. This is at San Jose at State. San Jose State. Like wow. they fired wow. our whole coaching staff mm-hmm. out of spite, I believe. I think the head coach and Dave Baldwin and the AD at the time didn't get along for some reason. So they fired him out of spite. Um after our best season in like 10, 15 years. Mm. We were seven and five. They hadn't won many games before that. And we had thirty two seniors coming back and they fired the head coach. Wow. Um, so yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, wow. that's the brilliance yeah, yeah. of some people. Oh yeah, right. But anyway, they it too many times. Um, and we end up with this new coach, uh, Fitzhill, and Fitzhill. When I came into the, um, uh, I'll, I'll tell this story. When he came in as the head coach and they were introducing him, I'm probably the only guy that was in the room that played that was going to play for him. Mm-hmm. I went up to him and this sort of foreshadowed our relationship. Shook his hand, said, hey, I'm Rashid Davis, blah, blah, blah. Um, I get it. He didn't know who I was, even though he's coming in. You know, it was all about him. Mm -hmm. But that foreshadowed our whole relationship because there was nothing that I could do to please that dude. So Mm -hmm. I ended up. He was the head coach. He was the head coach. He didn't know your name. He didn't know my name. He's a moron. And I was the leading receiver on the team. Mm -hmm. Wow. He was just getting hired. He wow. didn't know, but he didn't even know who I was. So that foreshadowed our whole relationship. I ended up not playing receiver. I think I had six catches and eighty mm. something yards as a senior. But then we get ready to play Nevada, and oh, we're playing Nevada, and I'm sitting on the sideline watching, dejected. And um, halftime comes. Nate Burleson, everybody we know, yeah. Nate. Mm-hmm. Nate hit yep. us up for three hundred yards receiving. By the way. Mm-hmm. In that game alone, 300 yards. Nate was at Nevada, right? He was at Nevada. Yeah, he played in Nevada. <laughs> 300 yards. Nate, Nate was a stud. So our starting corner, our best mm-hmm. corner, gets uh, suspended. His nickname was AWOL. He went AWOL the week before. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah anyway. Good nickname. <laughs> Good nickname. It, was, yeah. it fit him perfectly. So he got suspended for that game, and when he got suspended, our other corners weren't even close to his talent level. So that that's why part of the reason that when Nate had 300 yards receiving so it. At halftime, it's a tight game. We're playing well offensively. They're playing well offensively. Both of our defenses suck. So um, the D coordinator comes in and says, hey, Rashid, or hey, uh, Coach Dub, give me Rashid. Mm. I come in. He draws on the board a figure eight and says, hey, you cover that guy like you played around. I was playing around in practice at corner one day, and I guess he was paying attention. <laughs> um, wow. Learned your name that day. Yeah, he talked to himself. Why am I not using that guy? Right, right. And yeah. so he your name when he needed around it, yeah. myself and the receiver. He said, "You know what, cover two is." I said, ah, "A little bit, but I don't know how to play it." He's like, "Well, you just gonna play man, play man press." Mm. The rest is history. From that game, I played three and a half games at corner. I had two interceptions and twenty six tackles in those games. Wow! And uh, anything, give me anything. Football player, arena football. <laughs> yeah. That's when arena football found me. And they said, hey, a coach, that's why I say God is good. A coach that was once my coach when I was a junior is over at the San Jose Sabercats coaching. He knew me as a receiver. They wanted to see me play corner. We played Stanford in the last game. Uh, I have an interception in that game against Stanford at home. And they're like, hey, come out to uh, this Tuesday, Thursday workout and so where other people were getting ready for the NFL, I worked out for the Sabercats. I was under contract for the Sabercats mm. for them uh, while everybody was training. So back to the 
I know it's a long way to get nope. to here, but this is what we're listening. This what we're listening. Yeah, this um, want to hear the arena football. I had to rewire my brain. I had coaches that rewired me because I was I was kind of a broken player mentally because this was the first time. Mind you, I, this was only my fourth year, right? Uh, my senior year was only my fourth year, so it was the first time I ever had to deal with a difficult coach mm. that I couldn't play for. No matter how much I wanted to, I couldn't play for him. And so my mind was like I was doubting my skills again, my abilities again. I mm-hmm. went from being somebody who was confident to now I don't know what I'm capable of doing. And so when I got to arena, I was kind of a broken player. Yeah. Like I had all of this talent. They could see it. I knew it, but I didn't quite believe it anymore. So Terry Malley, who's over at San Jose State now, was the OC with the Sabercats. And he said something to me one day, and he's like, hey, Never let me believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, everything clicked. My life has been different ever since because I could say, I said to myself, hey, he's fucking right. Yeah. Like, how yep. am I as a man every year? You write that time. <laughs> yeah, I got you, bro. Don't worry about it. I got you. Like, I got no you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The thing I love, though, is when leave football that players sit together, <clears throat> that, that's, okay. God is good is literally followed by that. Yeah. I love God. Like, like we're, 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 we're a complicated bunch, man. We're a complicated bunch. Oh, you know we're at Catholic high school, so you know what You know what goes. I'm like, Rashid, 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 come on, Rashid. I try. I was talking to my wife about that today. I'm like Father Christian's I'm right here, Rashid. Part of myself. Listen, oh, oh, whenever whenever we have oh, Lent, boy. I tell my kids I'm giving up swearing, and my daughters are like, "Don't even try it. Man. <laughs> Don't even do it." <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to be a better human being. But anyway, he he did that, and so my mind started to click there, and I got back to believing in my own abilities, and so that was one part of what Arena did for me, and then the other part was. When you're in college and you're a good receiver, the difference between you, if you're an NFL caliber receiver, the difference between you and the competition mm. is huge, mm-hmm. right? So in college, if I was catching a pass, I'm op- I'm wide open, mm-hmm. right? Like I got steps on a guy. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, if you got a step, you yeah. know what I mean? You may not even have a step, but you're open. You're open. Like yeah. the quarterback you're saw open. something, he threw it, that's the best place to go. Mm-hmm. Your job is to make the catch, right? Yeah. Yep. And so when I got to arena, arena is so confined and everything is so tight. And everybody says, everybody knows in arena, the wall is undefeated. Mm-hmm. You're going to hit that wall. You're going to hit that wall on me. Right? So, DBs actually Man. waited for you. If you, were, if you beat them and you had steps on them, they waited for the ball to get close enough to push you into the wall they're not even gonna go for the ball they're just gonna push you into it so what that did for me was teach me how to catch the ball in traffic in college i never really had to catch it in traffic well in arena there's this manufactured traffic that's this wall right here Mm -hmm. so i learned how to focus solely on the football so when i got here to the bears and and uh guys like fred we're like, oh, you got to make that catch. After I made, you know, it was maybe a difficult catch. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make that catch. This is a different level, mm-hmm. and I could do that because I could just focus on the ball, learn how to just see the ball, and then turn my body in a way. Once I pulled it out of the air, that it didn't like I was taking the contact on shoulder or on my back, as opposed to getting smacked in my chest. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And that's one of the little subtle nuances of playing receiver that. 
you have to learn if you're going to be good at this level because you're mm-hmm. going to get hit. Yeah, right. I, I, I hope the the guys you know working to get make the team for Chicago Man, Bears. You. I hope they listen yeah. because Sheedy's giving them gold right now. Yeah. Are uh, you listening to the No Name Football Podcast? Obviously, I got my my partner here at uh, J Mac Jason McKee. You can find him at J Mac thirty seven on Twitter. You can find us at the No Name Pod on Twitter. Sheedy, you have Twitter? No, I have IG. We're joined. We're joined. What's your IG handle? She twenty five. S H I E D twenty five. We're joined by our former teammate. Story's been unbelievable. His testimony's been unbelievable. Really, uh, Rashid Davis here. Uh, we got another former teammate. It's my yeah. fault. I don't have a uh, earphones for him. A, a guy, Ahmad Merritt, former Wisconsin Badger, Lake Forest High School wide receiver coach, mm-hmm. was my teammate from two thousand to two thousand and four. Best remembered for my block on the reverse. I gave him. No, that's not true. <laughs> Ahmad Merritt. Hey, listen, another hey. good, another yeah. another guy another we got to get on. We get him on. Yeah, uh, played story at the Berlin too. Thunder also. Yeah. Uh, so he's been he's been Chicago around kid. too. Yeah, Chicago, Chicago kid. Uh, you know, I, he's at you know Lake Forest High School with Big Cat James, Big Cat Williams, yeah. Lake Forest High and Carmel. Two high schools. Very lucky to have these guys. Kids are lucky to have them uh, helping them out and teaching them the way of football. Sheed, my question for you is: It finally in two thousand and five, you get to the Bears. I think you came in as a cornerback, yeah. if I'm not yeah. mm-hmm. mistaken. Yep. They bring you in as a cornerback. You walk in the building. What do you think? Now, first of all, what, you, what did you say to him when well, he walked well, in like you said well, to me? You know, uh, yeah, everybody has a story. He didn't say that at that no, point. No, everybody yeah, exactly. has a story. Yeah, yeah, everybody I, has a story. I, I really think, I, I remember, I think I asked him, <laughs> the first time I saw Sheed, he had shoes on. And he had something written on the back of his shoe. And I asked him what it was. And I, I, I think it's some, something to do with God, I, I, if I remember correctly. We were in the weight room. But um, you get here, man, uh, they put you at cornerback. Yeah. Like, when you're here your first day, mm-hmm. like you said, five years to to Sabres. Now you're in the NFL. You're in the Chicago Bears mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what in your mind are you thinking when you walk through the doors the first time and Brian Erlacher is there, Pina Tillman is there, Vasher is there, Mike Brown. Mm-hmm. Like you're dealing with Mike Brown on a daily basis. He won't shut up. We all know that. Uh, so just just kind of take, take the listener through that, man, because this story really, like we talked about, is unbelievable. My first days in here, I just, I was about that work. So I just shut up. I didn't say a whole lot to anybody. I was, I didn't know anybody. Um, one of the first uh, experiences with Brian, though, um, made me feel like I was in the right place. Because mm-hmm. Brian is, a, you know, a good dude. No like, better he's teammate. He's a good human yeah. being, yeah. right? So um, I felt like. I had a, a, a friend ask me, like, yo, what is it like to be in the locker room, you know, with these guys? That's Brian Erlacher mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I was like, oh, he's just he's just a regular dude. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I mean? Mm-hmm. He didn't treat me good or bad or like it was just like I was here and mm-hmm. I was a part of the I'm on the team right until I'm not. Yep. Right. Um, and so that was a good experience. And then from there it was the management or the, the the scouts wanted me to make that team, right? Like, that's a whole nother story. Mm. I spoke with Bobby DePaul, mm. who actually is the person who called me. Bobby DePaul talked to me for 40 minutes to tell me about how you're going to make this team, mm. um, which is, it doesn't happen, right? Mm. Like, I know I had teammates that played uh, arena football that – had opportunities with NFL teams like the 49ers, but they were just camp bodies, right? Mm-hmm. They were, 
they didn't get a real chance. They weren't getting reps to, you know, to show what they were capable of doing. And Bobby DePaul was like, hey, this is what you're going to have to do to make this team. We're bringing you in as a corner. We didn't draft uh, any corners. The only person we drafted in the secondary was Chris Harris. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you need to beat out. Shout out to my uh, a good friend, and I love him to this day. But I had to beat Todd McMillan. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, and runway, runway. runway. I was a good player runway, too. Man. I she was runway a great player. Runway, that wasn't an easy win. No, it, it wasn't an easy no, win. Runway was good and a great special. So I had to be really good on special yeah. teams, and I had to beat our runway. I just happened to be. And we're about the same age. But though. you know what? She don't. <laughs> I tell people this: like, there's nothing better for you than to beat out a pro. Yeah. yeah, like if you want to play a long term in the NFL, you got to be one of those guys out to. anyway. Yes, right. So like I, I had Casey Wigman. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember. He played sixteen years. I like I had to polish my game. Yes, or so I wasn't going to get a job yeah. at all. So I, anyway, that like the best thing for me. It, it was the best thing for me. Like I, they told me what I needed to do, and I knew I didn't know exactly the person that I had to beat out until I got there. Yeah, you know, I got here, and once I realized, okay, that's who I have to beat out. I knew like what I had the word of bar was set. Mm-hmm. Right. And I knew what I had to do to beat him. Luckily for me, I was also cheaper. Now we're about mm-hmm. the same age. I'm not going to say younger. But this <laughs> thing though, before I'm we, the oldest rookie in the man, man, we're, not gonna, but we're not going to say cheaper though. The thing is too, like, like what, what the listeners, yeah, y'all the same age. Like, yeah, we're about the same age. <laughs> but, but the thing that, that people don't realize she, and the thing that, you know, I want everybody to know about you is okay. Making the team and beating out a pro was one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But now we see, right, the per- the perseverance that you had. You know, most people, right, they they get injured and, and they sit out. And we talked yeah. about this before the pod. You know, you're going to play hurt. You're only going to be – you ain't going to be 100%, yeah. you know, in practice or in games. And I can recall you – I remember, you know, my memories of you when you first came in, you had your hand wrapped you had a brace on your hand, and you're catching you're catching punts with your, with one hand, yeah. and then you're going out there playing DB, and then you're on the scout team, you're playing receiver, and you're doing all this without a brace. And I remember, and I don't know if the, the timeline is right. I remember, you know, you're, you're on the scout team as receiver. And you're making all these plays, and we're like, "Damn! Like, yeah. who is this dude? He's playing receiver. He was a DB. He's making all these plays. Like, he's yeah. catching the ball. He looks like a receiver. I'm like, damn! He that's the guy that was playing DB the last yeah. series. And I remember uh, Mike Brown was like, didn't he say Mike Brown said he said, "Hey, coach, we got him on the wrong side of the ball or yeah. something like that." So Mike is a big catalyst in why I moved to receiver. Like, um. We used to do stuff like gas each other up, you know, like, hey, Olin, how many Pro Bowls? <laughs> how many Pro Bowls? Like, stuff like that. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, right? So, right. We, me and J-Mac did it every time yeah, we start yeah, the pot. Yeah, yeah. That's how we start the pot. Um, anyway, so, like, hey, an old ball saying, player like me, he can use it. You know what I mean? I, I didn't have enough gas today because I left some stuff out. Camp, right? So, I broke my hand the second yeah. day of training camp. Yeah. Um, And I told the... Bream at the time, they were talking about what needed to happen. I said, look, y'all not sending me home for a broken hand. Mm-hmm. Wrap this thing. <laughs> right? So um, for me, though, what helped me understand or know that I could do that was I had broken the, the right hand in training camp with the Sabercats. Mm-hmm. I had played. When I got here, I had already played 17 games. Right? Mm-hmm. Like full season of football. Right. I remember that. Uh, yeah. And I had broken this hand in training camp with the Sabercats and played the first three games of that season with a big club on my hand at corner. Mm. I just played corner. 
And then four week, the fourth week of that club, we took it off and we put a splint on it. Oh, and they covered these two fingers, my my, my ugly uh, index finger <laughs> and the middle finger. Um, and I played like that. So when I did the same thing, when I broke their first metacarpal in my left hand on the second day of training camp, playing corner, I knew that I could do it, right? I just knew. And it, I didn't have to have surgery. On the right hand, I had to have surgery, which is why I had to play with a club. On the left hand, it was just broken, but it wasn't displaced. So they didn't mm. have to do surgery. All they had to do was protect it. So they splinted it, and I returned punts and kicks and all of that other stuff mm. with that hand wrapped like that because I was not going home for a broken hand. I didn't come here. I brought all my stuff. I packed all my – I promise you could ask my wife. Wow. I packed all my clothes. <laughs> like, hey, you go I home, you're home permanently. You're done. You're done. You go home, California. that's home. Like, yeah. I packed all my clothes <laughs> – in my bag when I left California and wow. said I'm not going home. Like, wow. I'm not, I, I left. I packed everything. And like we, she stayed in California for that whole year because I didn't know how long yeah. I would be here. I, I knew that it was fragile mm-hmm. and yeah. I had to do everything that I could to stay here. And it wasn't until the next year when Jerry Angelo started asking me, was I buying a house and whatnot, was I, that I had the courage to say, hey, you mm-hmm. can move Oh, excuse me. You can move out here now. Tell him my wife, you can move out here now mm. because I started to build something, mm. you know, and that year to go back to what Mike Brown said, Mike Brown would come into meetings and like, hey, how many touchdowns did you have last year in the arena league? Yep. You know, I'd be like, yeah, 44, Mike. You know, <laughs> and he's like gassing me up. But I didn't know at the time what he was doing mm-hmm. was trying to get them to move me to the other side of the ball. Like, Mike be a smart guy. He's now. on the, the wrong guy, yeah. side Man, of the ball. The yeah. And because we played Steve Smith, whom I played against at mm. Juco, he was at Santa Monica. Him and Chad Johnson were on the same Juco team mm-hmm. in Santa Monica. Good grades, that's why they both had. Yeah, uh-huh. great <laughs> grades, right? Yeah, Come yeah. out of high school, yeah. scholar, <laughs> scholar athletes, yes, yes, scholar, yes. Both, the both of them, phenomenal players. Um, but I had to be. We, we played Carolina, and Steve Smith and I are about the same size, and so I had to be Steve Smith in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, 2005 2005 Yes mm. And because I had that Arena League experience Of We we were really good mm-hmm. And we were in the playoffs Every year I had a different mindset I knew that the playoffs Were different Like mm-hmm. I, I had played in an Arena Bowl championships and, and so I knew I hadn't played at the NFL level But I knew that the game You're playing against The best of the best yeah. Whoever is the best of the best That year That's who you're playing against mm-hmm. And so I had to be Steve Smith and that I hadn't really played hard at receiver in practice until that week because I knew like what Steve was going to come in here and do because mm-hmm. I, I and Steve is that, greater than me. Yeah, right? so, like, he did. He did something. Unfortunately. Yeah, right. I had a great week of practice God. at receiver that week, but Steve came and did man, did he twice mm-hmm. as much as I did in practice mm-hmm. that week because Steve is a better player than me. Um, He's just. But it was that week. That it was that you, week. you thought like. Yeah, it was that week that can do this. they moved yeah. me. Actually, the wide yeah. receiver and Lovey came to me and uh, hey, big guy. Yeah, at the end of the season, he was like, "Hey, uh, he called me into the office," and I'm like, "Oh shit, why is he calling me?" <laughs> office, right? He's like, "Yo, you know, you're gonna in order for you to make this team, you're gonna have to play receiver, right? You're gonna have to be our fifth receiver." I looked at him, I said, "That's mm. it." 
Mm-hmm. I got to go. <laughs> walk out. I'm telling, I'm telling you. I said, really? man. I said, that's it? Oh, uh, man. I, I remember I gotta you know, walked out. being here so long on offense, like, we will move a corner back to wide receiver. That's, that's what, but we got lucky. We got man, lucky with Sheed, man. I mean, I mean, I didn't know he was going to use a Portuguese word today, Metacarpo. I had to look that up. Now I'm going to use that in Scrabble at least once. He said that word. He said that word. I was right. like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm going to try to put it in all day today. You, you know you broke your hand too much if you know the word, right? Bro, if you know, <laughs> yeah, your finger is, for the fans that can't, that don't know what his finger is, I'm going to look like I'm going to tweet, tweet your fingers out so they can see Bro. the type of... Uh, tweet it. Tell them. Got like a little S-curve thing going man. on there, man. Uh, hey, she, I mean, we can keep going, but we'll go about five or ten more minutes. Yeah. But um, So any player mm-hmm. helps you besides Mike. You talk about Mike Brown. But what about when you move to wide receiver? I know like Bernard Barron was in the room. Moose mm-hmm. Muhammad was in the room. Mm-hmm. Any player, are you watched on film? Did you watch a lot of Steve Smith? Mm-hmm. Anybody that you watch? Like for me, um, the Broncos had a center named Tom Nalen. Okay, and I yeah. turned his film on, and I just studied him, mm-hmm. and I and I think like he helped me develop like my game. Anybody you looked at, um, Moosin, mm-hmm. Moosin was a big help for me. Like he, um, when they finally moved me to receiver officially, Moosin came up to me and said, "Rashid, uh, just catch the ball." They'll teach you everything else. Now, Moosin at the time didn't really know that I my background is really as a receiver. Like right. I knew, yeah. I knew no disrespect to any of the other guys in the room. I knew that my skill set was different and it was going to be hell for them to beat me. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. Moosin though was like a big brother in the sense that he helped me to understand what was being asked of me. Um, so many good dudes on that. So team. many good, really, dudes. good really leaders. Was. Yeah, good leaders. Good culture. Just yeah. great people. Mm-hmm. Bernard was always good. I played against Bernard in college. As I have a funny story about that too. But um, yeah, I played against Bernard in college. Uh, I guess I'll share it. My mom uh, has this picture. Now in college, I played against Bernard at receiver. I was a receiver one year. The second year, I was uh, a corner. Mm-mm. So, so you covered him. I had to cover him. Oh wow! So I had to cover him. And I had a good game. As a matter of fact, I had such a good game that um, their head coach came up to me after the game and said, good job. Against so so you dominating Bernard got you to the NFL? Um, I don't know about that. But I, I, I'm that's, what I heard. that's what I heard. <laughs> I can see B calling me right now. He's calling me right now. He's calling me right now. He's texting me. He's going to be texting me. He's going to be calling. He's going to be calling now. Actually catches a touchdown on me in that game, right? In that game. It's a great throw. Derek or David Carr. David Carr is the older brother, right? Throws a back shoulder fade. Bernard catches it, right? Um, when I make this team that second year, my mom comes up for a visit to go up to a game, and she's got a picture. She's like, can you get this signed for me for Bernard? And it's Bernard catching the touchdown. Oh, no way. Wow. Come did on, you get it signed? Did you get it signed? <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, I got it signed. But I, I don't know if Bernard remembers that story. Wow. I promise you. She said, get this signed. And I, I looked at her and I said, really, Mom? She's like, get this sign, boy. Just <laughs> do what mom says. Yes, I had to do uh, what mom says. see, you, so what people don't yeah. realize too is you, you were so instrumental in us, you know, winning an NFC championship mm. in 06. Mm. I mean, you had, you were Mr. Clutch. So if we go back through the timeline of, of, of things that you did that year, you know, week three, uh, week three of 06, you caught a game winning TD. 
against the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you caught it. You set us up in overtime against Tampa Bay in Week 14. You caught a big pass that set up the game-winning field goal, and then you go back to uh, the divisional round. We played the Seahawks. You caught another pass that set up Robbie Gould mm-hmm. to to kick that field goal in overtime. Third and ten that got us mm-hmm. to the NFC Championship game facing the Saints. So. You know, you were Mr. Clutch and a lot of people around Chicago, and especially the youngins nowadays, they don't realize how instrumental you were in us being able to go to the Super Bowl. Talk about that, you know, being in those moments, like what made you so clutch and how did you excel in situations like that? Uh, first and foremost, uh, I want to win. Like, mm. that's my goal is to win. I don't care what you ask me to do. If it's going to help the team win, I want to win, right? And the other thing that... A lot of people don't understand. You don't think as football players that deal with anxiety. Mm-hmm. They deal with depression and things like that. For me, I dealt with anxiety. I grew up with that fear of failure. But my way to counteract that anxiety was to always be prepared. Like to make sure that I was prepared. Yeah. I knew my job, right? So that's when, like I had already run through the game in my head. Every game, I already ran through it, mm. right? So... When it was my time, I knew my only opportunity really was on third downs. I came in on third downs, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. Um, So I knew if the ball was coming to me, I I needed to make that play. If Mm -hmm. we're going to win, like I need to make that play. That's my job. And it was a preseason game when that took on another level of – power for me we're playing I don't know who we were playing but um it was a third down play I was coming across the middle I was open but the ball was low and in front and I had to dive to make the catch and I made the catch until I hit the ground when I hit the ground the ball popped out Fred Miller came comes up to me after that and looks me in my eyes and say at this level you got to make that catch Mm -hmm. Good guy, Fred level. Best, got, best yeah. friend. Good, yeah, best friend. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. No, no, we're good. We're good. But like he oh, says man. that to me, and then that in my head was like it, it took my level of responsibility to a t- to the team to another level. Like, okay, this is another level. If we're going to be what it is, and there, and I'm going to trust them, or they're going to trust me to throw the, to throw the ball to me on third downs, mm-hmm. which is what I'm in for. I need to make those plays. And so that's another thing that I loved about our team is the level of accountability to each other. Mm, yeah. Right? Like we yeah. held each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a negative way, mm-hmm. but in a way like, hey. Make the play. Make the play, bro. Yeah. yeah. That's and, and, and you didn't take it personal. No. No. So, no. I mean, you know, like, I mean, we said it in different ways. Yeah, yeah. We, we said it in right. different ways. I mean, it's on, yeah. it's on the screen. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? For real. For real. Well, well, what can I say? I did miss my block. You I got to run from it. Yeah. And yeah. that's what a lot of, a lot of firefighters with a lot of our players, they want to run from it and they want to, you know, they want to blame something else. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's that thing's responsibility or it's that responsibility. You know what I always tell my boys? I say, when you, when you're a practice, work on what you suck at. And they look at me like, what? I go, everyone knows you suck at it. They just say it behind your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you might as well work on it because yeah. when you leave, they're at, they're wondering, why isn't he working on what he struggles with? She, real fast, man, tell us about Saturday Place. Saturday Place is an enrichment program for third and fourth grade Chicago public school students who are performing a year below grade level. Our aim is to get them at or above grade level by the time they leave our program. Mm. We've been doing it since 2010. Mm. Uh, I started it with 40 grand of my own cash. Mm-hmm. My wife and I did. 
um, because when I got here, um, first of all, I believe that I have a responsibility to myself and to society, right? Like mm-hmm. I didn't make it to the NFL on my own. Yeah. Put a lot I think we know where that comes from. Now that we heard the story, yeah, I think we know where people, it comes from. Man. In my life that helped me along the way. And so for me, I feel a responsibility to give that back. Whether it be financially, whether it be time of my own time, whether it be um, of my my skills, my knowledge, whatever, I'm trying to leave this world a better place mm. than I found it. Right for people, especially people who grew up or who are growing up like me. Right, I want them to understand like this world is a big place. You know, there are people who care. There are people who are willing to do it. Your education is number one. I don't care what sports you play and all of this other stuff. If you understand the importance of an education and being a lifelong learner, someone Mm -hmm. who who is capable and willing to learn from other people, people that are different than you, accept responsibility for yourself, you know, because your life is your responsibility. Mine is mine. It it didn't matter that my father was killed when I was eight. Drugs, gangs, violence, Mm -hmm. all this other stuff came up. When I stand before God, I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want him to mm-hmm. say, or she, if it's the she, like yeah. whatever your faith yeah, what pro, is. Ask Jesus, what pronouns is it? Yeah, what is, so what is it? What is it, bro? <laughs> um, whatever you believe in. So that's the thing that I want people to understand is is that. And so for me, that's where Saturday Place comes in. And if the reason I, we chose um, those two grades is Mm -hmm. because if a child isn't reading at grade level by the end of the third grade that child is four times less likely to graduate from high school Mm. if you factor in poverty that same child is now 13 times less likely to graduate from high school and i if you don't graduate from high school in this country i don't care who you are what your skin color is what your background is who your parents are you're you have a 70 percent chance to go to jail wow right school to prison pipeline Right. And so for me, that's why it's so important to help these kids understand that your education is key to your life and success, because not everybody can be the one percent like us. Right. Mm. We're we're blessed. Mm -hmm. One percent of the population can play pro football. Right. But everyone has an opportunity at, at an education in this country. Take advantage of that opportunity because your education can take you places that your athleticism may not be able to, that your background may not be able to, right? Like you, you can be the poorest person in the world, but if you're smart enough, somebody's going to recognize it. Oh yeah. Right. I got, I got one last question for you too, before we let you go. So we talk about, you know, a lot of high school coaches listen to our show and we like to talk about high school football, um, all the time on our show. Uh, you being a high school wide receiver coach, give some of the young wide receivers out there or the coaches who may be listening, uh, some things that, that are non-negotiable in terms of development for a young wide receiver that they need to be doing. Uh, catching the ball every day. <laughs> That's number mm-hmm. one. You play receiver, catch the ball. You know, and catch it with two hands. Non-negotiable. You see everybody wanting to be Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. You know, make that one catch. My son himself. Odell. Odell. Oh, you got Odell. You know, <laughs> everybody wants to do that. Um, and it's there's nothing more frustrating to me than to watch a player drop a pass because he tried to catch it with one hand when he could have gotten two hands on the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and to listen to receivers 
talk about, but you can reach for it higher with one hand. But yeah, but you could have jumped up and got it with two hands. Mm. You could have just turned your body in a way that you make that catch a whole lot easier. But you want to, you know, you want to mm. do this one-handed catch stuff. And so that's one. And then the other is, it's embrace the process. Yeah. And the process, um, you better learn how to embrace the suck. Like you saying. Mm-hmm. The things that you suck at, embrace the suck. That's mm. the hard part. The mm. hard part. That's the most rewarding part. But it's yeah. the most mm. rewarding because if you learn to embrace the suck and deal with the discomfort of not knowing how to do something or the discomfort of conditioning being hard and mm. you can push through that discomfort, you can achieve anything you want to. Mm-hmm. You listen to the No Name Football Podcast. We're joined again. Uh, me and Jason McKee are joined by our former teammate, uh, Rasheed Davis. Rasheed, we'll get to the current Bears real fast. Um, so, when you said you were, I think you said you were 27 when you got yeah. to the NFL, remind me about the nonsense of everybody asking Valus Jones Jr. If he's too old as a rookie, can you put that to bed, please? Please, for, for put the people that to bed. Who I was yeah. the oldest rookie in the NFL <laughs> in 2005, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, how old was Kurt Warner? About 27. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he came to the league, uh-huh. another arena league wow. guy. Can you play? Can you play? Yeah. That's uh-huh. all that matters. No, all can that matter. you play? Nope. Will you produce when you step out onto the field? Are mm-hmm. you going to put the work in? So, Velis Jones. Just do what you've been doing, bro. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on, sure, man. man. You know, I, like I always say, we coach together every day, so it's it's, it's a blessing for me to have Rasheed mm-hmm. a part of our staff. Oh, yeah. I mean, you hear you hear now him talking about his life, and he and he translates those lessons to the kids on a daily basis. You know, his main thing is he's a he's a great life coach that just happens to be a great football coach. For and sure. we're thrilled to have him at Cromwell Catholic. Mm-hmm. And we're looking forward to whipping him out in Lake Forest here in a couple <laughs> yeah, weeks. Yeah. Amad sitting over there. So uh, yeah. pleasure to have you on, man. Thank you for joining us on the No Name Football Pod, brother. Appreciate y'all having me. Thanks, Sheet. Yep. Hey, guys, it's Olin Cruz, and I want to tell you about Tequila Embajador, the official tequila of the No Name Podcast. Whether it's celebrating a big win or just kicking back after work, adding tequila in Bajador takes every gathering to the next level. The care, quality, and patience put into each and every bottle of tequila in Bajador can be tasted from the first sip to the last. And it's why we're honored to call them our teammates. Go to their website, EmbajadorTequila.com, and use the code Kick off 10 and receive your discount on your next purchase of Tequila Embajador, the official tequila of the No Name Podcast. Well, that does it for our show today on the No Name Football Podcast. We thank all of our listeners for listening and supporting us on all the social media platforms. Make sure you download our podcast. We're on all the platforms, Spotify, iTunes, whatever your choice is. Make sure you download it. Make sure you tell your friends and family. Give us a rating if you like. Hopefully, it's a five-star rating, but if not, give us a rating anyway. Uh, we like your uh, feedback and criticism, that uh, things we can improve on upon our show. But before we go, as usual... Man, I want to suit up right now. In the words of the great Mike Brown, you guys keep making plays in life, and we'll keep making these great podcasts for you. We're out, and we'll see you next time, Chicago. Take care. God bless. Mahalo.